0: Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McFillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. That's what, so what I've
1: tried, what I'm trying to do with A, B, Physiology is exactly the same thing, but for Physiology, because mm-hmm. I see... I see an EP as this this position that sits between psychology and physiotherapy. It's like behavior change, but there's like musk, there's a fair bit of musk in it. You need to have the behavioral psychology stuff because I viewed EP as managing chronic illness through lifestyle intervention, which means my skills are behavior change. Mm. So that's what I came out with a master's degree with, and I happened to work with some brilliant people along the way. Um, and following the footsteps of some really brilliant exercise physiologists who are still now just like crushing it and by paying attention to those people and different like um, around that CrossFit boom the different like mobility world like Kelly Starrett and keeping my ear to the ground with those guys and the Shift Adapt guys as well like following those threads but building on this like master's degree in physiology and I've always been like competitive and i've always tried to do my best and everything i've ever done so i was like if if i made the the problem simple which was like you know lifestyle change yep took that and then i was like cool send me in straight from university to working exclusively with war veterans who if you've worked with them before are a challenging population Mm. so i was like sweet let's go straight into the deep end here and one (laughs) thing i noticed and one thing that i noticed is that with every chronic illness comes like the associated stress and anxiety of that condition because you've had it for six months at least Then the doom and gloom comes in all these different things right so as i was working through these really difficult people i was like they all need to calm down but they never knew how to calm down and they're so closed off to anything remotely spiritual because i've been doing yoga for like eight years at this point so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like you could do this. But I'm like, they aren't going to yeah, do that. Like, I need, it needs to be way more like broken down and they need to understand why in their own context. I'll get to that a bit later. But then I was kept following, kept following, like did the Art of Breath course. And it kind of like connected a bunch of dots on a really fundamental level in the sense of like I left that um, Art of Breath level one. And like just because of the knowledge that I would, it was delivered on top of, I was just, I, I could teach that tomorrow. Like, mm. Nothing necessarily knew was the way they painted the picture that was so beautiful, and that's why, like, Rob Wilson and Brian McKenzie are, in- are incredible for that, because, like, they painted this picture and I was like, oh, shit. Like, that just re- reaffirmed all of the, the parts of my master's and undergrad degree that actually I took away from, which was a physiology and, like, dis- disappointment with the psychology element of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It just seemed counterintuitive. Yeah, They seem to treat them differently and I was like, they're the same. Like I blew up my right knee on Saturday night at the Queensland jiu state titles and like I've used, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I, um, In having to go through that like explosion of my knee and then fighting straight afterwards and coming down that I used everything that I've been working on in like smaller problems to bigger problems. And to me, like whether it's a physical discomfort in my knee or like anxiety in your mind, you've got to break it down to small measuring steps to see like where you're at. (laughs) Yeah. And if it's too much, you've got to stop there and be like, i got to spend some time here and adjust. So with my knee, I couldn't really walk downstairs comfortably yesterday. So I was really heavy on the handrails. Mm-hmm. But just pushing it to its comfortable edge. Today I can walk down the stairs. Yeah. There's swelling in my knee, but it's just fluid. There's no real crazy hot spots. Nothing feels ruptured. There's no sharp pain. But I also know like I had to calm myself down on the an hour and a half drive home from Brisbane. Yeah. With an ice pack strapped to the back of my leg. And like, you know how you were saying, you got to sit through and differentiate thoughts and feelings. Mm. I realized on the drive home, like, my jaw kept getting really tight. Mm. because I was thinking about what this felt and sounded like when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing I'm, and the thing I'm most disappointed about from my performance at State Titles was the fact that I wasn't stoic enough to not scream <laughs> because the sensation and the sound made me like, ah, oh, fuck. And in that's a verbal tap, so I lost the match. But I got up and I was like, fuck, my knee's okay. But I'd already screamed. So I can't reset mm. the match. you like, say so nothing broke. Because it was an accident. The like, guy wasn't going for a submission. awkward force and my knee like subluxed down and yep. across and went yep. bang and then like, the guy and the referee and the guy that did it to me was just like bro
0: their reaction, bro, bro. Their, reaction like, their reaction yeah their reaction was probably even their worse than
1: your is- reaction so much more because i was like i'm good i'm good yeah. and they're like no like the refs like i need you to go and talk to the medic and i was like okay and i <laughs> shook his hand walked off the mats picked up my shit went to the next mat across and i was like Where's my next opponent, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. we got to find him." I'm like, "Sweet, can you get here soon?" Like before I cooled down, I was like, "I'm not going out like that." Like I didn't lose; I was winning on points too. So I went out and I beat this guy in like three minutes, and then I sat down for five minutes, and my knee got a bit wobbly, and I was like, "Yeah, call it a day. Pra- Practice what I preach.
0: But, like, I always tell
1: a- one of my athletes to to, "It's not worth this,"
0: and I have a- to take my own advice, which is very hard. A few interesting points that you've made there in terms of your reaction. Number one, your first inst- instinctual reaction was not to give up. There's that challenge inside aspect of it. Um, and then there was the bit where you were in your car and you are saying like you were focusing on the pain and that was causing you to get stressed. And I think the difference between the two mindsets there is the meaning that you have behind it. And exactly. the, meaning to, the meaning you had behind one wasn't, I'm injured. Like it, this is stressful. This is annoying. It's like I'm not. The meaning was like, okay, I'm injured. I'm not bothered. I still want to win. Now, like in the moment, it's 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 hard to uh, realize what that meaning you put to it. You know, it's a reaction. Now, what breath teaches you, and this is what your practice has taught you, is that you can you can slow down. You can take a few breaths, and you can look at, okay, my knees hurting. What is, what am I telling myself? What's the story I'm telling myself about my knee? How far ahead have I got to cause, you know, some anxiety or stress or jaw my, my, my jaw to clench? And that creates that space to go, actually, no, that's just that's just a false kind of perception that I'm creating, that my, my knee means that my career is over or my practice is over or, you know, but this challenge of me being the best is over. So I think that, the, the perspective of those two moments that you had where potentially it's something to do with the adrenaline and the stress response and the excitement being over here to them coming more back into that, the the parasympathetic nervous system where you're actually more able to think rather than just being on top of like, okay. Uh, cause, cause stress, stress on two sides has, you know, you've got, you've got fight or flight, you in the fight here, potentially in the flight here. What do you think to that? Hold on, you're skipping. You're I back lost your fight or flight. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, I just lost your fight or flight. No, nah, look, you've got you've you've got a stress response on both sides. You've got a stress response obviously occurring when you're in the in the actual fight in the challenge, but that's that fight response. Whereas when you're in the car, there's still probably a heightened stress response, but it's turned to more of a fear response.
1: I think what was happening in the car is I was clenching up as I was going through the match in my head and when the force came on. So I was uh, reliving okay. that reliving it. in my yeah. head and clenching my jaw and like twitching my fingers and my knee would hurt. And I was like, no, 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 it's just echoes. Yeah, I'm like, you're just hearing the echoes. You've got to stop reacting to the echoes. Because when I finished that second match, because like I came out and like I, I was walking on it and I was like, yeah, look, it's it's okay now. So I knew if I had that next match, I was like, because I felt really comfortable. I've worked really, really hard to be physically and mentally ready to step into a jiu-jitsu tournament and just mm-hmm. take on the opponent in front of me, right, and just back myself and nothing, anything else, like, just go, because this shit happened. That's why I was like, okay, like, it didn't phase <laughs> me whatsoever. I was like, it's, you have to make these, like, um you have to make these decisions in your head when you go into a thing like this. Especially the level that I like to play it at, which is on a thin ice, <laughs> that you have to be okay. Because I've I've been in positions in tournaments where I had a person's arm in a place where I could have broken it, and because mm. I didn't break it, I popped it like four times. But because I didn't have the that thing in me, because I'm as a physiologist by nature, I'm a I'm a fixer. Like I love yeah, yeah, problem yeah. solving. I'm like, Bring yeah. me your biggest issue, we'll get over it. Yeah, bring me your biggest fear, we'll work our way through it bring me your bad knee, we'll work our way through it if your bad back is your biggest fear I am your man because we're going to up here and we're going to work on the physical stuff and we're going to tie them together because that's where I think the terrible dialogue between like, let's say mainstream over-the-counter psychology and physiology <laughs> don't speak to each other enough they need to give each other more credit i've been lucky to work with some brilliant brilliant clinical psychologists who saw the real value in skilled exercise physiology application which is this mm-hmm. thing of bringing those two together like this yeah. is why we think this is how we feel this is how we feel this is why we think so in me like reliving that moment and that sound because it was horrifying. Reliving that in my head, with then if you add to the level of like the like the visual, I can give myself because of all the anatomy study and cadaver labs and things that I've seen. Like, I've I know a lot of practitioners who are very good at like visualizing their own suffering. Yeah. So that rab- that rabbit hole is one that can be fallen down as well, which I have fallen down before. I've hurt my back pretty badly in the past. Yeah. And you can fall down that rabbit hole, but then like your whole body ceases up. Because you think you're fucking broken. So like, holy shit. Whereas like I can sit in an easy cross-legged position today. It happens Saturday night. It's Monday lunchtime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can sit cross-legged. There's still pressure, like there's still fluid in my knee. So when that goes down, we'll see how it goes. But I cannot, uh, the improvement over the 36 hours, 48 hours is amazing. And I think one reason is I didn't go into shock. Mm-hmm. I didn't catastrophize it. I didn't like walk with it stiff as a board because I was scared to load it. I like loaded it to its comfortable edge, but I've done yoga for 10 years. Yeah. To know what my edge is. And for most people, it's all or nothing. They fall off one end and they don't start. And I'm like, there's definitely a middle ground, but you have to learn how to walk that path. And that's where my approach to physiology, I feel is different.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting because um I I was competing in a powerlifting competition about seven weeks ago. And about on the week three into the training, I um, I thought I'd pulled my hamstring. I tried to do a bit of running practice just for a bit of power or sprinting practice for a bit of power. Stupid idea considering I haven't done it for like two was, years. Wasn't too. wasn't a good idea. Wasn't nah. a good idea. Anyway, uh, I, pulled, I, pulled, anyway. <laughs> I pulled up after literally like I think the first sprint and I was like, right, that's it. I'm done. And, uh, I put a post out, <laughs> on my, uh, put a post out on my social media and I was like, no, a little bit disappointed that I'd made the decision to go and do this. And, uh, uh now I'm probably have to rest up for a while, probably won't be able to train or anything. And this guy reached out to me and he goes, ah, oh, to be honest with you, he goes, the new practice of soft tissue injuries is to try to get moving as soon as possible. It's like, try to load it uh, on the minimum you can, as soon as possible. He's like, don't, he's like, don't mobilize it. Don't sla- don't allow it to seize up. He's like, you know, one day, and he goes, you want to be trying to do body weight lunges as light as you can and just get in that. And that's the new science of injuries. And you probably know more about that than I do, because I'm not a physio, but no, have you got anything on, on that? Because I think that would be quite valuable people not knowing that it's inside information where it's used to be, you now that like, right, rest, ice, compression, elevation, and just do that for, for two weeks and then start your exercise. Whereas I'm hearing now within the 48 hours, you should, 48 hours, sorry, you should be starting to try and get some movement in already. Every case is individual.
1: Okay. But to me, I think if you just say like do nothing for two weeks, like, nope. So it's just like no, like that's just to me. I'm like that's everyone looks for a reason to do nothing too. Everyone's like I can't do shit. Mm. I can't. Like the world's like I forget it's difficult. I can't. I'm like no, no, yeah. no. We, there's there's always something right. There is something you can do. It's a thing I preach with my breathwork stuff. Whether it's for like stress for university exams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I had one young lady who started studying. Finish one of her online exams like in tears didn't finish all the answers didn't do very well like total mess right stress anxiety like messes with people more and more these days but she came in i was helping her for her back pain which weirdly it's related and ran through like just a bit of a step-by-step things to pay attention to leading into it when you feel anxious because it was always just before like leading into and during, like for that, like, let's say like a 12-hour period. I was like, cool, we're going to think about these things here, here, this here, here. We've got these breathing things. We've got our little like safety net over here with yourself, physiological sigh. If we're getting mm-hmm. a little bit overwhelmed, let's do this one. Let's just, if we need it, she got every answer right on the next exam and finished 15 minutes early. <laughs> Right. And I was like, all I show you is that you can calm down and make a better decision. doesn't mean you're going to get them right. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean, like I made a bad decision at state titles when I was, I left my knee in a vulnerable position because like this guy was hyper mobile and strong and I'm not used to seeing that in the heavyweight division. Yeah. So I was kind of having to puzzle this out and he was very talented as well. Very talented. So I was trying to solve this problem and like I talked immediately afterwards to my coach, was like, yeah, you should have put your foot on the ground. So then you could have applied more force. And I was like, that's what it was. This one little thing. And I paid the price for it. So I'm like, okay. But I was calm enough to see what I did. And in the moment, I can I can go and fix that. I'll the minute I'm back on the mats, I'll be drilling the thing that happened to me mm-hmm. and how to get out of it. So that I kind of the same reason that I had to have that next match the same reason that when I was in Fiji on a family holiday at Namotu, this tiny little island near Cloudbreak, I hadn't bodyboarded much for 10 years and then we were there for a family holiday and we get to Cloud break and it's like six to eight foot. Yeah. Breaking okay. on a reef. And I was <laughs> like, six people got on the boat off the island, two people didn't get out of the boat when we got to the waves. And I was like, no, I'm here. I'll do this. And I got a few little ones when I got this one wave that was wild and it was right in front of the boat too. And I've just like bottom turned and got this insane barrel looking right at the boat. And then it just <laughs> ate me. I put my knee through the reef oh. and then I got my board and I look up and I got a five wave set on the head and I got washed way up on the inside of the reef. And I had to paddle back out, got into the boat, like obviously shook, like thought I was going to die at like four points in there. Got to the boat, and the boat gets hit with a rogue wave and almost goes over the falls too. And I was just like, oh So when I got back to the place and I got my cuts all cleaned up, there was still swell around, and the boats going out in the afternoon. I was like, "I need to go and get in a wave. I need to go and get a wave."
0: Yeah, like, when you, go have, to you <laughs> have to get back
1: on the horse. You have yeah. to get back on the horse, and you will not get back on the horse. Like even though I had like cuts on my knees, I was like, "I'm just going to go gentle left." They were still big, but I was like, "I need to catch some waves and just like." be okay in the water otherwise i won't get back in same thing with that fight my knee is was like it's okay but i've got to fight again yeah to know that i'm confident in it to then like when i'm doing my rehab like i went for like a five minute like shallow water walk in the beach in front of my apartment like just marching like waist deep like mid thigh deep water with like currents mm-hmm. or cross currents so are quite unstable yep just gently walking through that back and forth for five minutes straight, then came out. It's pretty much cold therapy too, cold exposure at the moment. And um felt great. Like a little bit, little bit wobbly, but like, good lord, there's so much fluid in it. Like it should be excruciatingly painful because they've done studies where they inject 10 mils of like saline into a joint mm-hmm. or eight, is it one mil? It could be one mil, one or ten. It's a tiny amount of liquid into a knee, and it'll cause immediate pain yeah if you realize that you've tested what you're fearful of causing the pain yeah and you're aware that those things aren't there the pain receptors the pain signals are obviously
0: turned way down Mm. does that make sense yeah it makes sense in terms of when i'm thinking of uh like there's two there's two sides of the mindset you've got there and obviously majority people when they get injured it's just like straight away it's just like nah stop And what no one real does, no one does, and it sounds like what you have done is, is you're taking yourself a moment to reflect on, okay, is the pain that I'm feeling, is it just purely physical or am I contributing to this by the concern and worry about what it also means to me in the future? Now, what you're saying is that actually you can override that by telling yourself, okay, no, actually I need to keep on going. Um, Yes, to a certain extent, you you know you're using your knowledge and your and your 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 intuition of your of your feeling of what that's like and what it potentially is. But you're you're breaking down that fear that that pain. Okay, well, is the pain ten out of ten? Okay, now if I think about the pain and say uh, how much of that is psychological about the worry of what this means does that bring that pain down to a five out of 10? And does that allow me then to continue to maybe go out and do a bit more exercise the following day just to see, to test it out? And I'm guessing that's kind of what the saline injection was doing is initial saline injection, the fear, putting that fear of the injection in there. Okay, well, oh, okay, there's pain there, stopping. But then actually going, well, it's just a bit of fluid in the leg. It's a tiny bit of an injection. What does that actually mean? Now I can still, can, I can still go out and do some movement with that knee. But for exactly. a lot of people, but for a lot of people, like again, it goes back to the excuse of does it just give a reason to be able to go? Ultimately, I okay, I've got an injury, so that means I can't compete anymore. Is it giving them that reason? I remember when I was uh, eighteen years old, and I got invited to a in the UK to a state uh, rugby competition to a, to a training kind of like um, uh what, what would you call it? It was like a trials, and I had a bit of a niggly shoulder. But I, I so I said, oh, now I'm injured, and I always look back at it and that goes. I just told myself an excuse because I'm afraid I wasn't good enough.
1: I, uh, I played a lot of high level rugby as a kid too, league and union, mm. and like I think like, I gotta give I give my old man a lot of credit because he instilled this in me. Like he's a he he's a, an admirable man in many ways, but one thing is like a really simple line through line in my father's life is that. He couldn't speak English in kindergarten in mm. Penrith. He went on to graduate second in his year with honors from Sydney University in dentistry, and he lost his father at 21. Wow. He went on to do all that. And then he gave my brother and I like every possible thing we ever needed. Never gave us everything we wanted, but everything <laughs> we ever needed was accounted for. And like, he. <laughs> I had to work it off, like run it off. It's going to be okay. No matter how well I excelled, you're not that great. Like He he humbled me in a way that like people on the outside who didn't know how he showed how he cared would think he was a bad father. And they said that to me later on in life. Mm. It was a bit too hard on me and my brother. And I was like, you didn't see all the other things he did for us. And you didn't know how difficult we were to live with as because we tried to kill each other it was hard yeah yeah, yeah. oh wildly difficult right he had to like manage two boys who were like over six foot tall all the time they were like 15. (laughs) like it's like having two adults who are children still yeah like and when we'd fight like it was it was on so he had to try and manage that but he did such a good way and he did it in such a good way that we both have like the utmost respect for both our mother and our father because they were very different in many ways because I had my mom who always told us we were fantastic and we were like whatever mom like <laughs> what's dad saying yeah and dad was I was like you're doing okay but you could probably do better if you stop fucking around and we were like true so we just kept trying to do better yeah. so I got to give heaps of credit to my father in like instilling that in me very young but everyone I think not everyone A lot of people have some version of that in them. You need to just find what that is for them and what speaks to them. Mm. And that's learning how to get to know people. So like bedside manner in health, poor. The power of words in health, Mm -hmm. insane. I have spent weeks unpacking a 15 minute appointment with a specialist surgeon who's the best guy at ACLs or whatever the thing is. And I've had to spend weeks having to tell this person that they're not broken for the rest of their life. They can lift more than mm. 15 kilos here. Oh, but yeah. I've got these discs in it. I'm like, there's a guy who's got those discs who deadlifts 250 kilos. I'm like, shut up. Nah, but so and so, like the hierarchy of health. And like I'm saying, the higher up you go, the more money it costs for the least amount of time. And every word has such value in there, and they just throw them around. And I'm like, "Yo, you leave the pieces for me to pick up." This person goes to you to get fixed. You're like, "You're broken forever," and I'm like, "No, you're fucking not." Let me show you how you're not. And because I worked with veterans for so long, I could see these people for three times a week. You know what I mean? For some of them, mm-hmm. that were like really high needs, and that's good engagement. Yeah, for so them to play out these concepts of management. And because I had to look at behavioural shit, I had to make sure they understood they were worth helping. And that's hard to find in people, especially if their identity is tied up in their illnesses,
0: mm. which is what this population's got a lot of. Let's come back to the, I, the concept of like, no, it's it's just that you've got such an authority. Like our, our society looks at doctors and surgeons as a, a high authority in health. So as soon as you have heard that you have this you know a disease or you've Which got this issue you've you've got this issue it's it's cemented into the ego it's cemented into their identity of okay well you've now labeled me with something you've now labeled me with an issue or a problem and they're a high authority in the field okay now i believe you to an extent where my story is now changed yep and you see it you, know, you hear you hear of these stories where people they go, okay, well, I want a second opinion. And I, I mean, I've worked in, like I say, I've worked in healthcare for nine years and I've had people come to me and say, for seven years, a doctor was trying to tell me that my heart was absolutely fine. It's like, but it took me that long to have the courage to go and get a, a decision from else, some, somewhere elsewhere. And I found out my heart was the wrong way around. And yeah. it's like, it's, people make mistakes, but because there's an authority- Medical malpractice- guy- <laughs> Medical <laughs> malpractice
1: kills a lot more people than COVID. <laughs> a lot sure more people than COVID.
0: Like, and so there's also the battle with not the doctor then not being able to let go of the story as well. Because if they've said something to you, and then all of a sudden they go in six months down the line, and it's all of a sudden they have a change in their mind, thinking, "Oh, where well, was I? Quite not well. Not quite right with this." a lot of them are not going to be able to let go of their story of being the person that was wrong. No. And they'll just stick to their words. Yeah, but it's
1: so counterproductive and like, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but who are you getting your health advice from? Do they themselves look healthy? That to me is like why I practice what I preach. That to me is why, I take these principles of breath work for stress management and I'm like, what's a really stress situation? And I was like, fight people who know how to break your limbs or stronger you're unconscious. And then I don't want to go and fight in the cage and throw kicks and punches, but I got some friends who do <laughs> We're professionals. So I'm like, let me teach you some things, boys, let's make you all assassins. Mm-hmm. And you have to get buying with this stuff, which, you know, so I got a couple that buy buying. So I'm like, let's just hang out. I don't charge them any money. We they come in and I have different things for them to play with. Like, put your heart monitors on, shadow spa, only breathe through your nose. But first, we'll go through like how to how to like segment the breath.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, I'll teach them these skills and I've worked with them for a while now. So, I'll just play with them too. I'm like, here's just let trickle these concepts in, go and play with them, come back. And some of them are brilliant. So, I just practice what I preach. that when someone sits in front of me and goes, I've got this problem. I'm like, cool. Here's how I've helped people with that problem. Here's some ways you can manage it. Here are some troubles I've seen with people that like yourself, if I can, because this takes me weeks once Mm -hmm. I can get an idea of them. I'm like, here's this. Like, so if you go change your diet, like I've done every kind of diet you could imagine for six months, but I looked at it as performance because my goals and outcomes have always been performance based. So, for jujitsu for the last five years, having like beat the shit out of my body from like 14 to 20, playing high level like rugby league and rugby union through to like starting CrossFit and doing that for a bit with a friend of mine when he started. And he was an EP running that in that CrossFit space. So, he's made this fantastic facility that has like high level coaches and you know what I mean? Like, such a good thing. And he's risen out of that boom and been kind of like one of the pillars left standing. Which is a real testament to him and what he and we have all worked to try and build. What's, so what's, the, name what's the name of that bit. place? Body Dynamics Training. Body Dynamics Training. I'll Have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent Fertel, like he's a
0: legend. We grew up in the same small town. Yeah, awesome. Now that sounds that sounds good. What what would, uh what we'll do is we'll probably just link that in the show notes underneath this because I'll probably stick this on YouTube so that people can look out, look at that, look out at that as well. Sorry, hold on the headphones got. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can oh, you hear that's me? Better. Sorry. Yeah. Back. That's all good. Yeah, I was just I was just saying we'll probably stick that in the show notes. You just link me up and I'll can um put that underneath because I'll probably stick this on YouTube. And um Yeah, so perfect. Can, Thank you. We we can throw that across to those and obviously your one as well. So yeah, it's um Anyway, so, yeah, I, but when I um came to jujitsu and had to manage
1: all this stuff, I was like, I had to get my mobility in check. That was always like the thing I'd neglected since mm-hmm. I was a like I had physio since I was thirteen, being like, yo, you need to stretch. And I'm like, Roger, never stretch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like,
1: really cool vibe to grow up in. So like stretching was a low priority when I was like all the other fun things to go outside and do. Yeah. Um. Crossfit got me way more mobile, but then like for jujitsu, I had to like lean into the yoga. So it made me go to yoga a lot, made me breathe a lot. Mm-hmm. It made me learn that the art of yoga is just, you know, being comfortable when you're uncomfortable is one of the key concepts. And then Yin taught me how to find my edge. But when you when you're a stubborn, like competitive, athletic, Try your hardest kind of personality type put into a yoga scenario. Like, you're often your own worst enemy for an indiscriminate length of time. For me, it was like three and a half years. And then I was like, oh, doesn't matter what it looks like, just slow the fuck down. And then the yeah. next, like, I just excelled. It got so much better. And I learned more of the philosophy and I was more open because I was listening and I learned heaps, like, so, so much. Right. But I tried to tell my friends that and I'm like, yo, trust me. <laughs> you don't need to go so hard. Just like, don't look at the poses. Look at how calm I am. Mm. Like you're dripping with sweat. Like you're grunting. I can see all the veins in your neck. I look like I'm about to have a nap. We're in mm-hmm. the same position. One of us is trying too hard. You know what I mean?
0: But you can yeah. say it to
1: the person 15 times and they're still there like, mm. and I'm like, okay.
0: I'm I remember when I first, uh, have you ever, have you ever heard of RUMWOD? Yes. Yeah. So I, I probably started Rombod about <laughs> four and a half years ago. Um, cause I had a, a femoral acetypular impingement in both my hips. So I couldn't squat at one point. And one of my mates says just like, just start doing some RUMWOD sessions and just see, have a look at the, uh, how it, the impact it has on your mobility. And when I first started those minute poses, I was just like, holding my breath, just battling through it, just like, you know, tensing up. And I was like, oh man, this shit is fucking hard work. And then I think about maybe about two years into it, I, um, I, I gathered the concept of the breath and all of a sudden I was like, okay, well actually slowing your breath down. I think they they tend to do eight seconds in 10 seconds out. So it's quite a slow, 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 yeah, um, that's breath right. slow. And, but it's hard to do until you've managed to get through the point of, getting the poses actually right and being, being relaxed in them. But then the breathing on top of that is like the mental part. It's like, okay, can I now stay with this breathing rhythm? And when I started to get to that breathing rhythm, breathing rhythm, there was two things that I noticed. Number one was that when you do your breath out, you, you, you release and you let go and you can go further into the pose, which I was like, well, okay, this is the way of relaxing. Obviously the breath mm-hmm. out relaxes. And then yeah. there was the, the aspect of where I was the, the, slowing the breath down that i went internal yeah uh, i Drops stopped so i stopped focusing on the pain of the and the tension and in the joints and i was focusing on what was going on up here and then i realized that i had a lot of shit going on up here and i was like ah, yeah you're a stressed motherfucker this is how you calm down and that was like a serendipitous kind of way of me discovering slow breath despite working in medicine for the the five years before, in respiratory science, I hadn't discovered what was going on with how the breath and the the, the breath, mind, and the physiology are connected. Yes, Until absolutely, it, it was just like this moment where I just went, "Aha!" Uh-huh, now I think I've onto something here, and I started going into the literature and looking at what was going on, and, and just delved into this rabbit hole of yeah, of breathing and what it can do for us physically, mentally, socially. Yeah,
1: I had a very similar thing. It was just like one day, like ah, oh, this makes it way easier. But for me, it was the yin ones where it was like you hold the pose for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: when the demons came out. That's when you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Right. And that's where that's where it led to. It was eventually with the ronwad stuff, it was like three, four, five minutes, and I think they do like ten minute forward, feet to forward folds, and like you know, you pretty much just fall asleep in those poses. I had
1: a um, I had a wonderful yin instructor. She's a zentai massage therapist too. Her name's Kelly. She to me is like one of the greatest yin instructors I've ever heard. And I've done yoga in like places like Bali and these things and at different studios and and she's just special in how she explains it. Mm-hmm. There's this wonderful mixture of like anatomy and then like the spiritual stuff. She's very dialed in, in that sense. And she really helped me learn how to relax and actually do yin. And it was like, for a lot of it for me, it was like just using bolsters and blankets and like getting as many as you need. like. <laughs> Get yourself propped up, like get yourself yes. supported. We're going to be here for a bit. It's okay. And I was like, okay, cool. So like that, that's like a greater extent of like letting someone help you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like on a, as a really black and white idea, you have to let like gravity be assisted by a block, you have yeah. to have the person tell you that too. Do You know what I mean? And that's hard for a lot of people just to let someone help, like let them in. Yeah. Yeah. She was so great at doing that with a whole room of people. And like, that's just an art to me and she's, she's wonderful at it. So that really helped me learn how to like slow down and realize that my mind's going a million miles an hour. That's why my hamstrings so sore. Like, <laughs> if I just slow down, find my edge, sit there, try and breathe right down to the bottom of my belly. And then to me, it's just like playing cat and mouse with my breath. Like how much can I control it? Like how smooth can I make it? And I mm. did a yoga class the other day and I met these two odd fellows out the front of the yoga studio and they just started talking to me I was very much in my own like I didn't really want to have a conversation but they did so they started talking to me in the class they were doing this wild breathing man like they were Darth Vader and it was like so obnoxious at a few points and I was trying in my head be like don't judge them
0: yeah. what could
1: they be trying to do and at one point I was like I just want to tell them like stop it you, you <laughs> appreciate they appreciate what you're trying to do I, you've, you've very much misread the vibe of what we're trying to do here. It was so over the top, like because, mm. mm. like to me, the art in yoga is like your breath shouldn't be heard by the person next to you. Yeah, but you should be calm enough and taking full enough breaths that you don't look like you're stressed. Yeah, a lot of people have to take bigger breaths, but like that's often when you're like taking your recovery breaths in downward dog or child's pose. That's when you kind of like wash it off. Do you know what I mean? And I was actually, honestly, though, the most impressed was like how hard they were trying to breathe. And I was like, I love that people are doing that that, that now. Like there's so much awareness of the breath.
0: It might be misplaced, but like mm. people are aware. So it's a really brilliant start. It's, I guess it's hard to, you know, you said you don't want to judge, uh, but it's also hard to... Okay, there's the aspect of the breath, and if you, if that class or that instructor has been teaching about using the breath, is that person making those noises to overcompensate, to say, hey, look, I'm doing it right. I'm going to make noises with my breath, or did they just have no clue, and they just, just had no breath control at all, and it was just like a, ah, ah, like... Bro, it was like a...
1: Okay. And I was like, what is happening right now? It's like vinyasa it like class. Uh, yeah, just taking one, like, breathe as big and strong as you can. Like, I can do that. And they just ran yeah. with it. Bless their cotton socks. They were giving it a red hot go. Yeah. But it was very just distracting for everyone else in the class. And I was like, this mm. is hilarious. But like again, these dudes obviously like didn't some went down some YouTube rabbit hole on breath work. And that to me is exciting, because yeah, at least yeah, people
0: are looking around. Of course, of course. And coming back to you know, the, the centre of what yoga is, which is breath first and balance, and then mind. So, uh, we, and, and there's also lessons in that for you. Hundred percent. Lessons dist- everywhere if you're up to them. If it's a distraction for you, you know how how can you stay centred with your breath and not allow that to distract you, despite it being the most annoying thing right next to you. Are you? Are you? Sh- it did. It did give me the giggles. It just made me. It made me happy. Like I, in the moment,
1: I was smiling, but afterwards, I was like, obnox- "That was obnoxious." Like, in the moment, it didn't take me out of the pose. Like I felt very, very like calm and centered, yeah. and I felt very controlled. I think that I think because I spent so much time on yoga and stability and things like that, that's why I'm able to, mm. let's say, get my knee moving as quickly as I have. Yeah, is not to say that there's anything necessarily special about me. I'm just very aware of how much range I've got and how much stability I have. And by constantly expanding those boundaries when they're taken away, I can come back out carefully and be like, okay, cool, I'm here now. And then work my way forward from there is from spending so much time in that situation where you could easily get distracted and lose your balance. And then be pissed off at them because they, they took your they, they broke your attention, right? Like, no, 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 it's not his fault. Like, you've got to control your response.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's what the, I, that's the heart of breath work, though. It's, yeah, it is. I mean, that's the whole the the art of just letting go, which is the which is the concept of of what breath does. You said uh, you I've said got uh,
1: a, I've got a workshop called that.
0: Yeah sorry cut out no it's like what you said earlier where you're you know, you've got a, the excellent teacher who is teaching you how to um you know the communication skills that she has to let you know that you need to be able to let go and allow someone to you know gravity to to help you and for me to help you it's also in your ability to let go of that not wanting the help is not wanting that kind of support as well and that's where the the whole art comes across it's it's not just the, <laughs> The teacher but it's the it's the uh no, the pupil at the same time and the, communi- the communication is is or the i guess you'd call it the relationship between the two is what is what enhances the ability to, to further progress that, that those skills and the knowledge and and the practices that you you'd, you'd have in, in, in yoga i think you've nailed that
1: in a sense of i couldn't have worded that better myself but that's what i think is the important thing if you're a clinical practitioner is being able to do that yeah yeah i is mean being able to be that teacher for that client and if you treat the client more of a student and less like a client or a dollar sign the the, the latter being often the issue is if you just see it as like a student and you're trying to teach them something Mm-hmm. Okay, I need you to understand this. I'm not doing it for you. You're doing this, and I re- I like, I emphasise this in initial consults. Is like, I teach yeah. you things. Right, so, I, so I have to understand after, and the teacher's got to be at the level of the student to begin with, so that they can rise up together, right? I can't kind of just talk down at people or talk down at someone. No one likes that.
2: No. All
1: right. So I've got clients who are five, and I've got a new client coming in who's seven. Mm-hmm. My oldest client was ninety-four. He was a World War II veteran. Yeah. So like, and it's because I've and I've worked with like kids to Olympic freestyle BMX riders to high-level MMA fighters to like just a mum. You know what I mean? Everyone in between. I've always looked at it as, as that sense of like I need to find out some things about them to get to know them. Yeah. And that's like make them laugh, make them comfortable. Yeah. And then once you get to know them, you meet them where they're at. And then I'm like, cool, I'm gonna walk next to you on this path i'm not going to drag you i'm not going to carry you i'm going to walk next to you i'm going to point out things like don't pick that up like watch out for that and there's going to be choices you're going to make along the way and i'm not going to pick them for you either i'll be here to be like fool wouldn't do that one though but it's like your choice do you know what i mean but in in taking that model eventually then you don't need me on the path anymore you're good if you need Mm. my help come back and ask me some more questions but that's kind of the model which is so counterintuitive to what common practice is in say physical therapies and these like outcome based practitioners as opposed to income based practitioners are where I think like the roads kind of splitting. Yeah. And the guys who I really focused on outcome I've spoken to, and we all have the same idea, like give people the tools to take care of themselves. A really foundational tool that you and I understand very well is that like, if you can slow your breath down, detach, detach or create space between the negative stimulus or the upsetting stimulus and your response. Just a little bit of space. You don't need much. Mm -hmm. It just can't be an emotional reaction because they're often always incorrect. Mm -hmm. And then we get in this spiral of being upset at ourselves for becoming upset and then it's just like, (sighs) right? So. The breath teaches the space for you to then move forward more appropriately or with a better outcome, likely. Yeah. And then that's just the jumping off point because then we just apply it to your problems. So whatever the mountain is that's in front of you, we climb over that mountain, we learn some skills, we realize there's a whole bunch of other mountains behind them. That doesn't make us sad. We have all these skills from that last mountain. It was fun. Let's go. Because in overcoming a hurdle, you get like the – the uplifting, positive of so like somebody's a well, dopamine right on top of the Yeah, hundred percent.
0: You, su- you succeeded in a goal. You're moving forward. Exactly. I like, I like what you touched on there, where it was you were talking about you know, the nature of being a, a clinical practitioner is learning about the individual first, and not just learning about what they are talking about in terms of injury or their diagnosis or or, or what what that is, but what it means to them. And the language they're using, the body language they're in, the state they're currently in. Because I see patients, um, you know, they've been diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, and all of a sudden they get told they've got to go on a machine, they've got to wear a mask at night time. For a lot of people, it's scary, but for a lot of men, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a dent to their ego. And yes. when I see when I see them coming in and they're pissed off, they're angry, they're sitting down, arms crossed, and I can see don't want to be Don't want to be here if I just then go to them and say, Hey, look, here's your results, here's a machine. What's the likeliness that they're going to go? Great, I'm going to go use that every single night now. Not a chance, but if I sit down with them and go, I do this as well, go, Hey, like, what's going on? What are you here for? and they'll tell me, Oh, yeah, my partner's moaning that I've been snoring and I'm here for uh, yeah, I've got sleep apnea, so I'm here to get this machine, I don't really want it. Okay, well. Why don't you want it? And if I gradually open my body up and slowly reveal myself and say, had the conversation back with them, you see their body change. Yeah. And what you can do is you can find out the meaning they're putting to the stories to tell themselves. And it's literally okay, well, what does it mean you got a machine? Ah, oh, it means my wife's not gonna be attracted to me because it's, hold on a second. Your wife's your wife's already annoyed anyway, because of the story. <laughs> is she is your relationship gonna be better with you sleeping better and her sleeping better? Or the relationship where you're having because you're snoring, she's gone in the other room, which one's better? And then it's all of a sudden you help change that story. And then the next minute, it's they've overcome that kind of hurdle. And it's like, okay, the, the dopamine's then taking that step forward. And then the next step is actually using the machine. And if you've got dopamine here, your next step is already, you're already in motion towards that. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And then I had to, like, cause like you see, like people like that was like my, my average client for a long time was like a 60 to 75 year old man.
2: Mm.
1: Like most heaps of Vietnam vets, legends, wild boys. Like, honestly, I had the funnest four years working with this population of people, many inappropriate jokes were had, many laughs were had. Like it was mm. good. It was fun. I got so much like it just imparted wisdom from them too. Like, you can learn something from everyone and I learned that, like, because a lot of these people, especially in this day and age, a lot of the people I was talking to, if people knew their beliefs, we want to burn down their house, right? Mm -hmm. If Twitter or the internet found out about how these dudes joked amongst themselves, they'd be like, these guys are the problem. Mm -hmm. They'd miss the fact that, like, these guys are making jokes. They have good intentions and they give to charities and they probably do actually more substantial good in actions. And people who get angry on the internet will ever do and it made me just like because i used to get kind of annoyed at things i read on the internet and some one of the clinical psychologists i used to work with was this genius dude from norway they're like robots though norwegians are damn close to robots, right? <laughs> right but sweetheart of a guy and he was like why do you get angry i'm like this isn't this is insanity like has no one read what happened in russia and china has no one read the Guru? Like. Read what happens when these ideas get played out to the like, full extent and they don't stop until they fall off the edge. This is what the edge looks like. It's mm. called concentration camps. And he was like, but you have to just laugh. Like, this is a clinical psychologist telling me this. I'm like, what do you mean just laugh? And he goes, it's ridiculous. It's preposterous. I'm like, I know, that's what makes me so angry about it. He's like, yeah, but it could also be the thing that makes you laugh.
2: Mm.
1: Everything he said that to me, I was like, that's so true. And by, like, the combination of that and those old boys who, like I said, had some outdated beliefs for sure that I tried to, like, steer them the right direction on appropriately, they were really, in many other ways, fantastic individuals. And that's, like, a lot of the wisdom you get from age is realize that, like, people can talk and people all these different things, but it's the people that are in front of you that you're talking to the most who are, like, you'll find the good in a lot of them. They're not as bad as they're made out to be. No one
0: really is. No, nah, it's just uh, the nature of that how they've how they've grown up and 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 to go through they're such ignorant. A, yeah, well, yeah, they yeah, are because to be to they not have no be idea. to not to be ignorant, they have no idea what the world's like now. But the world that they have, we have no idea what that world was like. Now, if you're going back to the World War Two and those sort of things, like you, you, we, we we're living. The, an easy world yeah we're scared of covid uh, virus we're living
1: okay. the dream cool. we're living the yeah. dream
0: yeah covid virus yeah it's the worst thing that's happened in many years but it, what does it mean you're just locked up in your house and your comfort and you're getting food delivered to your door and you know it's not the whole of the world's like that but majority of the west are um yeah. but I, I wanted to ask you a question how, how how receptive do you find those individuals to being open to your ideas
1: I don't think like that's one thing like I used to explain about them as I say, like vets are just like everyone else except like all their problems are turned to 10 and you get mm-hmm. different personality types. So like it's the personality types are a bit more open to yoga and stuff in that problem. It's the same as you'd expect and hope for. I could turn a few of the old boys cause I could show them what I could do to their blood pressure. Yeah, Like if I could show them numbers, like if yeah. I could be like, yeah, Let's look at your blood pressure. Cool. It's like 159 on 110. Sit down. I want you to breathe in and out slowly doing this pattern. Don't think about anything else. I
0: yeah. count
1: them in and I get them to count for a bit and I keep it at a distance, like a time frame that they'll pay attention to. And I can drop like 30 milligrams of mercury off their systolic. Yeah, you are like, what? That's magic. And I was like, imagine if you breathe slowly through your nose all the time, Bob. Like, come on. I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been telling you for a while now. I see you walking in with your mouth open. Shut it. No one wants to hear what you have to say. (laughs) No one values your opinion anymore, Bob. I'm sorry. But, like, I used to make jokes about them
0: a lot, though, because they've got senses of humour. But Well, that's that's it. You've got to connect to them. If they're giving out jokes to you, you just instantly know, okay, well, this is just going to be one of those, a bit of a boisterous conversation, a bit of a laddish kind of conversation. But also, you've taken that logical route. More of a masculine energy route, we're saying, are going to show you numbers, going to show you figures, going to show you a structured program of how we can get this to come down rather than giving uh, a connective language to saying, Hey, this is what we can do for you emotionally. It's like, yeah, that's 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 where the, the, the tools of communication, the skills of communication, sorry, are uh, so vital to a practitioner that is often missed when people are coming straight out of university and going straight into uh practicing is it's all about okay what do i know in terms of knowledge how can i show that i'm the person they need to come to in terms of telling them everything everything about their body and how i'm going to fix them not using the language to that they they're they're receptive to 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 get the outcome that they they need that's like how i teach this stuff to five and a half
1: year old kids
2: Mm.
1: like i've got a five and a half year old kid with uh, ADHD who got suspended from school already in like whatever first grade struggles to downshift from playground to classroom. Super intelligent, though. Mm-hmm. Walks into our office and is like, That's a brain. And I was like, It is. <laughs> What's that? What's that one? And he's like, Hmm. And I was like, It's in here and it goes boom, boom. And he's like, That's a heart. And I was like, Cool. What's that one? He's like, Hmm. Lungs, and I'm like, yeah. What's in the middle is like heart, and I'm like, well done. I'm like, what's that? Is like face, and I'm like, what's under a face? i like skull. I'm like, there you go. It's a skull. Well done. It's so like five and a half. Like mm-hmm. bang, 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 bang. I was like, you're clever. Fantastic. Sit down. So we just did like monkey breathing, or we go like. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like a, it's just an inhale, hold, exhale, but you got to freeze up. It's off a game. on the exhale. Yeah. You got to sit still. Oh, it's all play. It's yeah. all play. I even tell the parents, like, I got a seven year old coming in for an initial on Friday. And I'm like, I need you to explicitly use the word play. Yeah. Like, this is a child. We go to the gym to play with our breathing and exercises. We play or play with equipment. Like, it's all about games and fun. Mm -hmm. because they're kids that's what they're supposed to be doing and if it can be like an educational fun game that shows you as a parent how to calm your kid down like in the moment listen Mm -hmm. And i said the parents have got to be there as well obviously but i'm like you need to pay attention i can do you want to take notes because by just simply doing that like inhale hold exhale inhale hold exhale you're practicing it before bed it like slows your spinning mind and you can sleep and then. Apparently, dad came home from work and they clashed, so they're about to have a big fight and mum took the son away, like into his room, closed the door, got him to do the triangle breathing, and it took a 10 out of 10 explosion down to a zero. So that's what I mean about you just got to get it, like, the message. It doesn't matter. Like I can sit down with you and we can go in depth now on all the anatomy and physiology and what actually happens. Yeah. what's the most important thing as a practitioner if that's what you want to do which is help people you need to be able to deliver that package in a digestible way but i don't know where they're going to get that if they go from like school to uni to practice like i learned these skills from working in kitchens working in bars working in cafes I learned these communication skills of being able to talk to anyone is because I used to have to, I worked as a host at a restaurant where I'd seat 600 people in a night. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to teach that necessarily, but I think being able to be calm and comfortable will allow you to be yourself more, which is again, comes back to the breath work of relax. It's okay. Take a few breaths. Just be yourself. You know what I mean? I think people get too caught up trying to not be the wrong thing anymore. I'm like, just be you. And if you do something wrong, people you care about will be like, hey, don't be a dickhead. And then you're like, you're my <laughs> friend. You. I yeah, trust I'll... you. Roger. Do you know me. what I mean? Like, but then, then you're like putting yourself out there to see where you might be overstepping instead of keeping it all inside and then just carrying this around with you. Mm. And again, that's what like breath work and the meditative aspect of having to sit down with your own thoughts. Because then you might be able to say, like, to your partner or your friend, if i like, hey, like, I feel this way about myself. Is that how I'm seen? And you can be like, no, you're an insane person. And I go, okay, good. Like, that's what your friends are for, to ask those kind of questions to. Like, am I yeah, being man. preposterous in my fear about going to Indonesia? Like, not really. It's a reasonable thing to be nervous about. It's a big move. Mm. But is it an exciting move? Absolutely. Are excitement yeah. and fear real, real similar? Sure. Is it what you put around it? Absolutely. But, like, you don't get the reward without the fear. Like, you don't get the great feeling of winning a match if you don't step onto it in the first place to lose. Like, yeah, you have to, like, the fear is there. Like, the nervousness is there. Like, I talked to 260 Year 12 students about breathing for stress and anxiety at one of the biggest schools in Queensland all at once. I was on strict orders not to swear because I would met with the vice principal and my friend who worked there, and they're like, Get the information across, but don't be too much yourself. And I was like, okay. Ouch. <laughs> I, like, stick to the stick. Oh, I knew it. Like, I'm I'm f- I've worked with veterans for so long. Like, I don't doctor my speech very often. Yeah. Of I'm course. very like blunt and I just joke and I say, like, if something shit, I'm like, that's fucking shit. Like that's no, yeah. what it is. It is what it is, right? But I understand it wasn't the best behavior. It went so well though. Like I had like Seventy-five to eighty percent of their faces on me for an hour, like up, like looking at me. Mm-hmm. Some teachers came up to me afterwards and were like, "We have not seen a whole year group sit still and pay attention like that in recent memory." And I was like, "Thanks, that's fantastic." And I was sitting there afterwards, and I was like, "Beforehand, man, I was sitting there when they were walking in. I was hot. Yeah, I, was like, yeah. I feel like I'm about to fight everyone. Like because it's the same feeling I felt before I've had professional jujitsu fights, like on a yeah. fight night." Sitting upstairs waiting to go up, you just get hot. So I sat there at the front of the room as they all piled in, just like burning. And I was like, it's good. And it's like slowed my breathing down. I could feel my heart beating in my chest. And I was like, I know what I'm doing. Let's go. And it made it awesome. You don't get the awesome outcome without having to sit in those nerves and channel it that's what the shift adapt guys are all about it's about stress adaption using stress as like a superpower that's yeah. what it does but it only Definitely. works if you apply that superpower at an appropriate level if you try and go too far with the your superpower you're going to fall off the same as everything else we've talked about it's about the application of that superpower and then we build so sure you may never be able to stand in front of 260 17 year olds and it be confident and deliver a strong message that was taken on board. But what's your version of that? And then how can we get to that? So that you can overcome that and be like, see, it wasn't so bad. And then move forward with all the skills you've built and developed on the way to overcoming that thing. It doesn't matter what it is or what you're feeling. Just slow your breathing down, take it in and be like, let's go.
0: Because you're there already. I think you know there's I mean?
1: real feeling these feelings you're there, hundred percent.
0: And there's a there's a couple of points that I really want to just just touch on there before we um we finish off is number one, massive respect for seeing there. There's a need to teach children how to manage their physiology because that's not something that's taught in schools, um, and it's something if you can get it in that early age, how much of an impact on that child's future life have you had? Massive because you're teaching them the skills that are fundamental for life going forward. And it really needs to be drilled into schools that we need to do this. So going in and having that talk is one of the best things you, you what, without framing your uh, life. But going what, for what, it. Don't you worry. I'm aware how yeah. much they need it. I'm- yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then going back to the communication part where you're talking about working in the, in the, um, in the restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But even just, playing with other children consistently at a young age and socializing rather than being on a computer and the ipad and being on your own and just playing like games there's going to be a differential there oh i've got a 12 year old kid who
1: doesn't leave the house he plays video games and he's on a computer he's 12 doesn't go to school and he's on screens for like i don't know how many hours a day outside of sleeping and eating yeah he think he and leaves the house twice to come see me and i was like It's scary, bro. It's scary. Like, and he's very intelligent. Like, he's hyper intelligent. So, it's it's frightening. To see what happens, like when that gets so far down the line. Like, it's. I totally agree with you. Like, that's the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I see that. I see the extremes. Wherever I work, doctors and whoever it is find that. If ever I've got like a little networking base, I seem to get the extreme cases. And I, pray, I like it. Do you know what I mean? I appreciate the challenge, and I, like to, I, try to get outcomes, and I have got positive outcomes with this child so far. But Amazing. it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process, and that I, if you'd asked me 12 months ago, are you going to try? Would you try to get into schools to teach to kids? I'd be like, never in a million years. They're nightmares. I want nothing to do with anyone mm. who's under the age of 18. They all sound like entitled. <sighs> all my friends who were teachers are just like ripping their hair out and live for the holidays. Like, I just feel sorry for them. But then now I'm like, okay, it's not their fault. Like they're a product of their environment. Like their environment's horribly skewed. Yeah. So what can I do? And I was like, the first thing I can do is get them to breathe a bit slower. So I've, I've worked really hard to get in front of this school and it's a really good opportunity to establish testimonials. And from there, it's about like getting me through the door. Because if I can get in front of as many people as I can and have an impactful enough thing. And like the cool thing is, and I think you'll appreciate it, and we can finish on this if you want, is that one of my friends as a teacher at the school was like, Oh, I have spewing, I couldn't come and watch you present. Some of my students went and I said, What did they say? And they said, We never thought about our exhale, or miss. We never thought when we were stressed out to just exhale. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> That's the one thing I was like, if you're stressed out, you're like I'm like, try yeah. and breathe out slowly. You yeah. won't be able to. And then just keep going until you can go. And when That's you can it. do that, you'll be a you'll be calm than before. Because mm-hmm. everyone's like, take a big breath. And they're like, like they're already up here, they're just feeling the top 10% of their lungs to begin with, and they feel like they're strangled, they're getting strangled. I'm like, just exhale. So, like, um, a message came through to a group of people who might be the hardest to get a message into, seemed to at least take away that, like, your exhale is what calms you down when you're stressed. That's a one, Bro, that's
0: powerful. I was happy, I was a powerful message. Like if you if they've come away with that one message, just the that's the most powerful message that you can get from from breath in the moment, right there and then. It's been a pleasure to chat to you, Alex. It's been awesome, mate, so much. Well, uh, I think we'll talk again soon for sure. I got a few ideas I want to run by you. So yeah, I'll definitely. You and, do do. And um, just if you want to quickly summarise what you do, and then just if people where to follow you, just if they do watch this information, then just give us a quick summary, and we'll put it in the show notes anyway.
1: So I'm a clinical exercise physiologist based out of varsity at body dynamics training. I do online consults and I've got like a protocol system. Now I've just finished developing on, um, like progressions of breath control and applications. Uh, there's four basement, there's four baseline ones, uh, performance one and a sleep one that comes with an initial consult. And we do testing after the second and fourth protocols. Um, and yeah, follow me on Instagram ab underscore physiology uh, check out my website it's got more details there you can message me or email me through that and um man thank you so much no worries you speak and
0: share an awesome know. chat it's been a good chat alex awesome, um i look forward to seeing more of your content come out as well i love it cool man thank you very much i love yours too see you, bro later